Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, also Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. throughout the offseason. Also, check out our YouTube channel for all of our regular shows there. We're going to do a Floor's Yours there soon, but also you can find the Zoom interviews from all over the NBA, not just the Heat. The Heat are done, but you want to hear from LeBron, Jokic, Lillard after his game. We're going to be putting those up on our YouTube channel. We'll give you NBA content, too. Also, 5ReasonSports.com. Brady Hawk is doing a series where he's breaking down every single player on the roster. God bless him. Make sure you check that out. There is no paywall. Also, the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. So many of our sponsors are local here in South Florida. If you're hungry when you're reading this, you got to check out Miami Grill. You know Miami Grill just like us. They are Miami. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you the big favorites from the big cities, featuring authentic ingredients, prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, burgers, and more. Don't just bring dinner home. Bring home Miami. You don't want to bring home Boston. Bring home Miami. We're going to be talking about Boston in this episode. Order online or in person. Pick up, drive through, dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it, and bringing Miami Grill home has never been easier. Again, you can get it on the app or go to MyMiamiGrill.com. And now, tonight's Amusing episode. One, two, three, four, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reason Sports Network. All right, we're back here on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We're going to do a little parquet. We're going to go up to Boston. We were, we were going to do some heat stuff tonight. We are going to get into that tomorrow. I'm going to give you a blueprint for the offseason tomorrow with some inside info. Okay, but that's a tease. Today, we're going to go to Boston. And what we're going to do is look at what happened with the Celtics today, which was dropped this morning kind of out of nowhere. Brad Stevens will be replacing Danny Ainge in the front office. No longer going to coach. He's going to be involved in hiring the coach. Danny Ainge, at least for now, is retiring after a run as a Celtics executive that dates back, I guess, 16 years. And so I told a little story, and then I'm going to let Greg jump in. We've got Alex here as well. I told the story that everybody kind of knows about the Heat's relationship with Danny Ainge, um, but it's always fun to tell it. The Heat had basically finished their 27-game winning streak in Chicago. They lost to the Bulls. LeBron was not happy after the game because of the way that Kirk Heinrich and others had taken what he perceived to be cheap shots at them. And so after the game, he complained. Danny Ainge went on WEI, which of course is the famous sports radio station in Boston, and basically, you know, said that LeBron should just shut up. Okay. So we're in New Orleans the next day um, at a shoot around and LeBron is talking to three or four of us. There were only like, I think four of us on the road with the team at that point, I think it was Shandell Richardson from the Sentinel. Joe Goodman was there and from the Miami Herald. And I believe it was Brian Windhorse. I don't think it was Mike Wallace. I think I believe it was Brian Windhorse from ESPN. 
And so we were just shooting the bleep with LeBron after a shoot around and he was incensed about the situation. Okay. Just mocking Danny Ainge, uh, you know, and, and all sort of the, some of the passive aggressive stuff that LeBron does, but he was more direct. Anyway, we all go home. And of course it was New Orleans. So we're all hung over. Okay. So we didn't make a hell of a lot of it that night. We get to the arena and the way that things work, if you're not familiar on the road is typically pre COVID is that Eric Spolster would speak outside the locker room, roughly 90 minutes before the game for a few minutes to basically Jason Jackson, representative of Heat TV, and then the handful of reporters on the road. And then also with the Heat, we're a traveling circus at the time. So all the other national media went there. But a lot of the national media had left. And the reason the national media had left was there were several reporters that were basically following the Heat around for about a month during their winning streak. And when they lost to Chicago, they didn't really want to go to New Orleans. So it pretty much that night was the four of us and Jason Jackson. And that was it outside the locker room. Eric Spolster speaks, Tim Donovan, who is the vice president of media relations communications. I always get his title wrong, but he's been with the heat uh, since Pat Riley brought him down from New York. Tim comes out and goes, I have a statement from Pat. Okay. It's written on a piece of scratch paper. What is it? Danny Ainge should shut the fuck up and manage his own team. So the four of us are sitting out there like April fools. I mean, it was around April. Okay. April Fools, what the hell's going on here? And I, I literally looked at Tim and I said, you want us to tweet that? Go. So we tweeted it. I fucked it up because I tweeted Danny Ainge should shut the fuck up and, Matt, and coach his own team because I was so flustered. My hands were shaking. We get into the locker room. LeBron James is sitting there in the middle of the locker room, tiny locker room in New Orleans on the road. He's sitting in the locker room. He's all stretched out, so you got to walk around him. As we walk in, he's like, his legs are near us and his head is on the other side, but he's going through his phone and you can tell he's scrolling through Twitter. And so a couple of us just circled behind him and noticed that he's basically checking our feeds because he had followed all of us at the time. And he's got the biggest smile you've ever seen. That's so great. And I thought that night, and I know Brian Windhorst wrote it that night, that Pat Riley had secured LeBron James's loyalty for life. And of course, oh, we were, uh, and of course, that hurts. We were wrong. So, Greg, what do we do today with this? This announcement that Danny Ainge, who has been, and let's let's just acknowledge, Danny Ainge has been the biggest foil to the Miami Heat since he took over in that job. Okay, the the three franchises that have gotten to the conference finals the most since Ainge took over are the in the East, are the Heat, the Celtics, and the Cavs. And two of those had LeBron James for periods of time. That's the only reason the Cavs got there, obviously. Boston has been a, a reasonable foil to the Heat. I would argue that was their biggest rival during the Big Three era, okay? Not Indiana, not San Antonio. It was Boston. It was Boston that they played in their first game together, and they didn't play well up there You know when the circus started. Remember that first road game yeah. with the Big Three? It was Boston they had to beat twice in the playoffs. It was Boston that, that had them down 3-2, where we were sitting there at a shoot-around thinking that Spolstra uh, was going to get fired and Bosch was going to get traded. And, of course, LeBron with the face and 45 points in game six. It was it was Boston that they thought that Dwayne broke Rondo's elbow, uh, you know, Garnett and and Bosch and everything. And of course, Paul Pierce sucks. It was it was boss and Ray Allen, of course, the heat stealing Ray Allen, which is mean that, you know, Boston has never forgiven Ray for that. So how do we put it into perspective what it means that essentially this isn't a great time for the heat? They just got swept. But Pat Riley 
beat Danny Ainge again, right? I mean, it's funny. You're right. Like the big three probably formed because of the team that Danny Ainge built. Honestly, like a lot of like LeBron trying to get through the East was getting through the Celtics and their big three at the time. And uh, or maybe, you know, it became a big four as Rondo started to establish himself, but you're right. Like Wade too, you know, he had his, his, uh, his series where he was out in five to the same Celtics team. So that, that kind of collectively always felt like that uh, when they beat, Boston that first year together the way that LeBron showed emotion on the court I don't know if you guys remember that um he like went crazy like once they knew that the game was over um it, it was in a way where it was kind of like triumphant like that was the team they had to get past and uh it's just funny when you think about now you see Danny Ainge was propped up for the way that he built what he what he did there. And obviously they got relevant again. But I just I, la I laugh at the at the asset talk and the fact that he never really made the big move. And when you look at it from like uh, the real um, mountaintop view, since Riley's arrived in Miami, ML Carr, Rick Pitino, Chris Wallace and Danny Ainge have all been running the show in Boston. And only one man has been running the show in Miami since that entire time. So I think it just speaks to how awesome and unprecedented the stability is uh, in Miami. So be grateful. Alex, uh, before we get into, again, more of the significance of it and what happens with the Celtics now, which I do think matters and, and what the Heat can learn from it, uh, give me some some Celtics Ainge memories of your own from a fan perspective I'm gonna steal Jason Terry dying on the court from you and start there uh, but are there others that sort of jump to mind oh easily that's a that's a good task for you to assign to me there I mean the Jason Terry one is classic I remember just laughing for like 10 minutes straight when that happened I, I just thought it was hilarious the way that it went down and that, that it was Jason Terry but other than that man it's like the way that that first year with the big three, the way that they eliminated the Celtics after all of that buildup and conflict, it was almost like a, you know, like a novel, right? Like it almost played out that way where it's like they lost them over and over and over again. And then something happened there in that series. And it was only a second round series, but you're right. Like everything that you said there about the Celtics being, I think the biggest rivalry from that, that's how it felt watching it, right? Like it felt like that was easily their biggest, their most hated of the rivals and so yeah, it was like jordan's pistons you know exactly and that second round series it, it, it felt like the, <laughs> the most intense second round series ever it felt amazing when they were able to climb that hurdle and then they just kept you know they opened that wound and just kept pouring salt into it over and over and it's like they got past everything you know and even, even though you still had the bulls in the finals there that to me is the one that sticks out because of the way that it went down and it was i just remember shot after shot after shot falling that was great uh but man, like, it's great to see, I think the way that this played out and from a, from a bigger perspective, like Leif was talking about, it's just, this is the stuff that, that Greg has been talking about on Twitter for years when it comes to organizational stability and it almost like played out throughout the years. And now you see, you know, kind of after everything, after all the assets talk throughout the years, like what do the Celtics have to show for it? They got two really good players, two foundational players, you could argue. Outside of that, it's just been a whole lot of bad luck and bad draft picks and bad management, man. And, and now I think, you know, Ainge is done, man. And it, I think Riley has to take the – he has to take the – you know, they're going to have to put his arm up here like he won. 
I think there'd be more celebrating, obviously. Well, again, they wouldn't celebrate. It would be publicly. more celebratory if it wasn't for, you know, what just happened in the past week. Just being swept, right? So, I mean, but for sure, and they wouldn't say it publicly. But, I mean, the thing about that rivalry and why I think that, you know, there have been very few good rivalries in the NBA over the past, say, 10 years. But I think the reason that that one was so good is that the hate was real. Like, it, yeah. I mean, and, and it still hates Kevin Garnett. Yeah. And, and it extended up the organization, right? Like it extended because because the stuff between Pat and Danny, I mean, had history to it. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. you, talk, you, you talk about the Heat Knicks rivalry. A lot of that was because there were of the history before those incredible matchups, right? It was, you know, the Zoe LJ thing, which if you know the backstory of that, you understand. Okay. If you, I'll leave it there, but if, if there, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that were going on, of course, the Van Gundy's, et cetera. I mean, so I, with this one, you had the Ainge Riley stuff um, that, you know, again, went back to Lakers, Boston. And, and there just, there was, this sort of grudging respect there. Like, uh, you know, th there was some respect because obviously they competed against each other, but not a lot of like. And, and so, I mean, to me, I, I remember it having covered those teams on the road. I just remember, you know, what it was like before that game six. I, to me, that's that, you know, I, I was sitting at a hotel, I, one of the hotel, one of the Marriott's at the Harbor, just sitting there sort of by myself on my phone. I've never seen heat fans during that era who were that dejected. They just thought they had no chance. They just didn't think they could get past that team. And it bothered them more the ability not to get past that team than any of the others. And the way LeBron kind of came up and, and, that's one of my favorite columns I ever got to write was in Boston. They used to stick us in the crowd. Okay. So we had the Boston fans, you know, them, okay. Right. There's been a lot of talk about it in the past two weeks. We were literally in the crowd. Like, I mean, we had a table, but there were fans all around us. Classy and so, group. Yeah. And the way that game started, it was basically barstool sports come to life. Right. So the way that game started these three fans behind me and they were the typical Southie Boston, you know, you know, the type, right? I mean, straight out of goodwill hunting, the three of them are sitting there behind me and they're just, I mean, disparaging LeBron in every conceivable way. Okay. I mean, beyond, I mean, in a lot of ways that I wouldn't repeat. Okay. And then over the course of the game, and this was basically my column. I didn't even go Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. For the locker room until later. My column was them being defeated over the course of time. They went from you suck, you suck, you bleep, you bleep to in the third quarter, it was stop, stop hurting us. Yep. <laughs> Enough. <uncle>. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was remarkable. And they left halfway through the fourth quarter and just one of the walks looks at the other goes, he's too fucking good. And that was it. And that was, and that, that moment, Save that heat era. Okay. That game saved that heat era uh, because it there was did. nothing boss. And, and the thing is the Celtics keep taking credit for being the greatest championship team of all time for literally winning one title. I wish we had Chris Joseph here tonight to help us with this one title during the age time, which was 2008. They won once and that's it. 
Okay. But they act like that's the greatest and, title of all time. Um, and they took advantage of Brooklyn, which was considered like the biggest heist yes. of all time. Billy and King. Yes, they, they definitely like got some, um, some good players left on this roster as the dust has settled in, you know, in totality, but overall, like for all that was sold about Ainge and his assets and the, his ability to, uh, to, you know, like, strike while the iron was hot it never happened and now like when you look at that team i don't know that they're going to keep jalen brown and jason tatum together i i don't know that it makes sense kemba walker is now like a, an albatross contract so I, I think that's a really precarious scenario now so it's funny that brad stevens and um and Danny Ainge were looked at as such savants at one point. Well, like Chris Maddox, uh, his tweet, and, and Chris, I have a lot of respect for Chris. But this is not one of his better tweets. Um, of course, he's a national NBA writer where he tweeted, would you take any star in the league or Brad Stevens right now? Um, Stevens see, would take his star. Right, I, right exactly. For we me. know Danny Ainge's answer. <laughs> well, Ainge <laughs> would almost get the star and end up with Stevens. But after the break, we're going to get into – the Celtics decision now, but also what the heat can learn from it. Uh, we just wanted to reminisce a little there before we do want to tell you about mybookie.ag. go to mybookie.ag. This is the place you want to bet. You got the live betting there at my bookie. So you can bet during games. Of course the NBA playoffs still going on without the heat, unfortunately, but um, you would have had a lot of fun betting that Portland game last night, the baseball and basketball season, as you know, are long. So make sure that you jump into mybookie8.ag to make them fun. And if you use the code five, use the code five, you'll get your first deposit matched up to a thousand bucks. Let them know we sent you. Use the promo code five to get a free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. You can also play in their blackjack tournaments, give you and your friends a chance to win prize pools up to 50,000 bucks. So go to mybookie.ag, use the code five. All right, let's quickly go over where the Celtics go from here. And then I, I really want to get into what the Heat can learn from it. Okay, so Brad Stevens is going upstairs. I know there was a lot of questioning of this. Does he really deserve that? Has he, has he proven enough at this stage? He's going to hire a coach. I know that uh, Jimmy Laranaga's son is one of the, the coaches that may be considered. Uh, of course, Laranaga, I never pronounced his name correctly, but he's the head coach at Miami. Um, Alex, what do you think they should do from here? And do you have an issue with Stevens being promoted? That one, I'm not 100% sure about. Uh, I know that we've almost kind of talked about that in, in, in theoretical sense when it comes to Spo, uh, uh, in a, when we talk about hypotheticals, when Pat Riley decides to you know, move on, and Spo maybe taking on some, a, a similar type role. So I don't know. I, I don't know ethically like if this is right or wrong. I, I definitely am not qualified to answer that. I think, you know, like Leif said, they're kind of in a, in a little period of disarray right now. Everything looked like it was headed for gold. It, it Like they had, you know, not even to go with the puns here, like they had found the, the pot of gold, had the luck of the Irish and all that. But, <laughs> you know, they've got two great pieces. I don't think they'll necessarily be moving on from either one of them unless, you know, it just really doesn't work out the next few years because it seems like they both really like each other. You know, they got to the conference finals a year ago. It feels like they're going to that Kemba piece is just kind of an anchor holding them down. And let's see if, you know, that he ends up being kind of, you know, like a Russell Westbrook or a John Wall, just kind of a piece that you trade for something else to try to put some depth around the team. I don't know. I don't I don't really know what their avenues for improvement are. And that's uh, Brad Stevens's job now. And that not re I really don't care. I, I'm, I, I feel great that, you know, the Heat were the ones to eliminate the Celtics and put them in this period of disarray. And that although they were also the, 
you know, they're they're the victims of this terrible COVID asterisk season, just like the Heat. And we, you know, we we should be you should we should be riding with them there because they're they're both very much the victims of that. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to get to the finals, right? That he were able to get to the finals before this right. period, and now the Celtics are just are just kind of you know going and outside Boston. and have nothing to show for it. Yeah, I mean, Greg, that to me that that's where we pivot here, right? Because Jason Tatum getting blocked at the rim by Bam. Uh, that's that's where we pivot here because I mean, to me, you know, the he, teams are in this position all the time that Danny Ainge was in during this time. Like you you accumulate assets, and nobody accumulated more assets than Danny did. But, you know, Pat used to talk to them about, you know, you're in the chip collecting business. That, that's what you talk about. You're collecting yep. chips. And, and there, was some stuff that came, yeah, there was stuff that came out today about how the Heat have the fewest draft picks coming up here in the next few years. I mean, they're out of some of their chips. A lot of the assets that we thought were valuable assets are not as valuable. Like, you know, the pick from last year, Precious doesn't develop. Uh, KZ, obviously, they, they cashed in three second-round picks for him. He hasn't developed to this point. Hero took a little bit of a hit. Uh, none, we don't know if they're going to retain him or not. Duncan obviously is an asset, but they're going to have to pay him. I mean, so, I mean, the, but they didn't have the kind of assets that Boston did, but the, the, the complaint about Boston was when Danny had his assets, he didn't close the deals. You know, it was, okay, you're going to get Anthony Davis, or you're going to get Kawhi, you're going to get this guy. And, and and really the only, like you guys have talked about, you know, the only two pieces he really came out of this with were Jalen Brown, who was the third overall pick, and Tatum, who was a, a a stroke of, of genius, obviously, because they gave up the pick that became Fultz, right, and ended up picking a up a first and Jason Tatum. And we know what's happened to Fultz in comparison to Tatum. I mean, that's really that's Danny's one move. Like, <laughs> because even the, the I mean, the Brooklyn move, yes, I mean, he sucked. What about Billy flipping King. Isaiah Thomas, who yeah, well, for Kyrie, right. for Kyrie. No, you're right. He did that, but great then, move. but then that wasn't. You're right. That was a great move. The Isaiah uh, Thomas move, Crowder, etc. Olenek, or uh, well, no, Olenek wasn't in that. What one, do they have right? to show for it now? Well, that's no, the thing. But they that's because Kyrie left. You know? But they didn't culturally, and to use that word, make it work with Kyrie. Now, maybe nobody can make it work with Kyrie. I, I don't. That's a whole other well, question. Like Brooklyn's right? making it work just fine. Yeah, but it's a different kind of system up there. I mean, Boston. Look. If you're going to go get a guy like Kyrie, who you know is combustible, you know he wants his own team, I mean, you better have the infrastructure to handle it. And cl and clearly, and you thought they did not. Well, you thought they did because they did it with Garnett. They did it with Pierce, but Pierce had been there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, I'll just put it this way. What, what did the Heat learn from them, if anything? Because I think what most people would say, what you learn is when you have the assets or they have some value, you cash them in then. You don't wait for them to devalue. I know our friend Hot Take Harry makes that point all the time. Yeah, no, so that's, that's a big one that I think that – and Riley has actually been um, – like when I talk about uh, franchises remaining who they are, like, you know, I make like jokes, like what, what is a Denver Nuggets player? Everyone in the NBA knows what a Miami Heat player is, but nobody can identify a Denver Nugget or like a, you know, a, a Phoenix Sun, you know, although they are playing well now. Um, uh, some of those jokes are some bad franchises, they stay bad forever. And, um, and I don't think that that's the case with this at all, but you got to strike when you have, the right kind of players. And this is the other thing that I think is important to take away from this as much as like, we're kind of poking fun at this and puffing our chests out. We should acknowledge the reality that at some point soon, 
Pat Riley is going to ride off into the sunset and there's going to be changes in the Miami front office. So this same type of transition is going to come to heat fans soon. Obviously we can look back at ours with, I think a little bit more of uh, the heartwarming, uh, you know, good stuff, heartwarming, good stuff. But uh, so I guess another learning moment is that, um, that this is not far behind from what's coming for Miami. I don't know how that'll happen and who will go into what positions, but, but it's on the horizon. You know what I take from it then um, is that this may be a test case a little bit for Eric Spolstra, because you're right. We did think that Eric might do this. Eric, you know, could have burnt out. I mean, I and I were talking about this on onsite radio. I mean, Eric's been on the road for how many years? Okay. He's a head coach since 2008, but really a decade prior to that when he got out of the video room and you know, essentially, you know, he hasn't had a break and, and he's got, he's married. He's mm -hmm. got two young kids. Uh, we, we know about the attraction of, of sort of the Pacific Northwest, which is why Portland always comes up whenever there's an issue or maybe Seattle down the road. But I did think maybe a couple of years ago, particularly during the oh, Hassan yeah. stuff that, that right, that Spo would have just gone to the front office. But I, I think now, I think he got rejuvenated mm -hmm. by this team and by Jimmy in particular and by Bam. But I, you know, I, I could see them, him looking at the Brad Stevens situation, kind of curious how it works out. I mean, I will tell you this. I have a picture that I took at Summer League a few years ago, about a year after Brad became the head coach. And it's it, the three sitting in, in the Danny was in the building. This was in uh, Alex. You've been there. The Cox Pavilion, the smaller building in Vegas. Danny was in the building, but Stevens was sitting with Spo and Pat. <laughs> I mean, there was, there is respect oh, that sure. there is respect towards Brad Stevens and the heat organization. I, I wouldn't, and you know how Spo will occasionally pick the brains of others. Okay. Although he, he talks about, he doesn't have a ton of friends he communicates with regularly in the league. Most of them are the guys that came through the video room. I, I can see Spo looking at what happens in Boston as kind of a, okay, how's it working for him? Is that something that yeah. I would want to do? Uh, it does set a bit You're of a right. precedent. And here's something else I want to add to this, and maybe we we can close the loop on this Boston stuff. We'll we'll never be this Boston heavy again, hopefully. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually look at Chris Quinn as an option for a head for the head uh, the head coach position there. Petty. That's interesting. Alex, final, final thought. Final thought. Uh, like I said earlier, I think the Heat are are going to be the ones theoretically with their arms in the air, like if they just won the. The fight, I think they're the ones that come out looking like the winners. If you're just kind of comparing the two organizations here, I do. I agree with your point when it comes to Spo looking at Brad Stevens and they, he'll probably talk to him. I, I know they respect each other a lot, like you said, and that'll probably uh, have some influence on Spo's thinking uh, down the line. Because I was thinking the same thing before you mentioned that point about Spo having kids now, because they were saying the same thing about Brad Stevens and how this job prevents him from having to be on the road all the time. And you can't doubt that that's, that has to be a huge factor for these guys. Uh, you know, I obviously cannot relate to that at all. But the other thing that you guys were, were talking about before was, like, <laughs> the other thing that he can learn from this is not to mess with the basketball gods. Like, some of the things, and we already know that the, the, the talk, the, the most talked about ones there, like the, the, the bad stuff that they did, you know, as a front office, the Isaiah Thomas thing, we don't even got to rehash it. But just things like that, I I believe in the basketball gods in that aspect, right? Don't do things to just screw people over and be generally nice to people. Don't so. mess with the karma of winning, Pat Riley. Yeah, well, what goes around that, comes around. 
but that is a balance because one of the criticisms of Pat, know, particularly the past few I knew years, you were do this. overly sentimental. Okay, so I mean, if the if if Pat had to make a decision on Isaiah Thomas, who we all know and uh, okay, you know, was an, an MVP candidate that season, but not someone you could really build your franchise around. That would have been tough. And Pat made the wrong decision on that. The, like the hip injury stuff, because that was the thing. I, I get he it. I'm, like not, I'm not saying point guards. I'm 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 not I, I'm I'm not saying it was right from a from an ethical standpoint. He would have, but I also him and then traded him. Sometimes it's better off. Sometimes you're better off being cold cold blooded. And I can tell you, they weren't. We're going to talk about this t- tomorrow. That is the way. That is the way that the Heat are going to be going here soon. Tease. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.